Having agency is defined as the capacity of individuals to act independently and to make their own free choices. Tune in to get an inside look at the inspiring uphill climb of businesswomen from around the world. I'm your host, Cheryl Gillihan, and this is Woman-Owned Agency. Corey, thanks for being here with me today. I'm so excited to have you. I have known you for a few years now, actually, through the B Corp network. And I didn't realize we had so many things in common. So I'm actually excited for our conversation today um, because rereading your bio, I was like crazy. We have both professional and personal things in common. And so living parallel lives, which would be good. We might be. (laughs) And so um, as part of Women-Owned Agency, I just really wanted to introduce the world to you as well as your agency and some of the special things that you can bring to the table. So thank you for being here with me today. I would love for you to introduce yourself and introduce Jojo Four. Yeah, thanks so much, Cheryl. It's really nice to do this with you. And it's so nice to see your face again, about virtually. Um, so yeah, so I'm Corey Cohn, and I am currently heading up Dojo4. I'm the CEO, and I'm not actually the only owner. We are a cooperative, a tech agency cooperative, and so I am one. Now, currently, there we're small, and um, I think there's four or five of us now. Um, one person is on a sabbatical, so let's call it five with the hopes that that person returns soon. And we build custom software for clients of all kinds, but particularly um, mission aligned clients. We're a B Corps. And so we like to build things that make a positive difference in the world for clients that are working hard to solve real problems that affect people, you know, either in terms of social justice, environmental justice, just improving people people's lives, humans' lives, and the environment. Yes, and that's where we're so aligned. So we have similar agencies. We work on the same type of projects. And some people might call us competitors, but I like to call us collaborators. You know, we haven't had a chance (laughs) to think, like to work hand in hand on any particular Mm -hmm. projects, but I have certainly referred Dojo for, and, you know, you're you're definitely in our network of people that we trust. And 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 vice versa. I know that you do a good job. And so I just, I'm, I'm really appreciative of everything that you bring to the table. But I want to talk a little bit personally about you. And so you do call yourself an entrepreneur. So I didn't, I, I've only in the last two or three years started calling myself an entrepreneur. But in the bio that you sent me, you know, you mentioned that you are an entrepreneur. Like what's your earliest like entrepreneurial memory? Yeah, that's interesting that you have only started doing that recently. And I'm actually, it's a really good question because I'm not totally sure why I would call, I mean, I know why I call myself an entrepreneur, but I never identified with that as something I wanted to do or understood what that meant. Or yeah, I had basically very little interest in business the way I understood it before I kind of fell into being an entrepreneur basically completely by accident. And so it's a little bit of a mystery to me why, you know, just sort of like all the causes and conditions that came together for me to actually be pretty passionate about entrepreneurship. 
And, you know, what I think now is starting to be a little bit of an outdated term, social entrepreneurship, just because hopefully everyone is headed in that direction. I, when I was thinking about our conversation, our upcoming conversation, before we started talking, I was thinking, yeah, do I have any memories about wanting to be an entrepreneur or just sort of having that natural inclination? And I think not in a way that I understood. Like I had a whole career before I became an entrepreneur in um, documentary film production and photography. And I really identified strongly with kind of social activism and particularly through the arts and journalism. And I had no interest in business. And in fact, I sort of really thought of business as being kind of like the man, you know, like I really had this feeling of kind of like, oh yeah, that's like people in suits that are just trying to extract value from human beings in order to like further their capitalist ambitions, right? And that's really changed for me. And I really actually feel now that entrepreneurs really do are, are I think anyone has the potential and opportunity to make a huge positive impact in their lot, you know, in the, their concentric circles, their communities, their families, their, you know, in the, in the world um, in terms of how they are and what they do. But I actually really feel like business is one of those like real like leverage points just because it's so ingrained in our world, right? Like capitalism is so ingrained and consumerism is so ingrained. And so if we can like, re-mold that into something that makes a positive difference. So now I ident identify really strongly as an entrepreneur. But before I was like, I don't care about money. I don't care about business. You know, I'm like, uh, I make, you know, help make documentary films. I take pictures of things. And now I feel really differently about it. Does that answer the question? Yes, that totally answers the question. And I feel like maybe I stumbled into it in the same way. Um, and I've learned so much about business. Like I didn't, I didn't want to become a CEO, but it got presented to me and I was like, hmm, maybe I should think about this. I didn't want to be a business owner and it got presented to me and I was like, hmm, maybe I should think about this. <laughs> parallel lives, Cheryl, parallel lives. <laughs> but also specifically in the things that you were saying about business, I think that, you know, it's not that I wasn't interested in business. I saw it as, you know, I have a path. My mother is an Asian mother and the stereotypes there are so very true. You mm. need to make straight A's. We're Asians, not Bijans. This <laughs> is a meme that I saw somewhere. <laughs> like everything had to be perfect. And there was like this path that I had to follow. And one of those was I need to get a good job. I need to have stability. I need to have income and finances to be successful. Yeah. Um, and I saw business as a ladder to climb. Mm -hmm. And when I got into that world, I was like, really good at climbing that ladder, really good at climbing that ladder, but realized that it was like eating away at my soul mm. and was yeah. not really happy and fulfilled and got to the point where I was like, I don't care about money. I don't care about it. Like, I don't want anything to do with business. Um, and then discovered this world of social entrepreneurship and was like, what is this? Right. What is this beautiful thing? Yeah. <laughs> and the more and more I've gotten into it, when I helped Cause Labs with the B certification in 2014, I was like, 
this is fantastic. Every business can do this. Every yeah. business can make a difference. And so I've actually been a huge advocate in the last three years, not just of entrepreneurship and, and business ownership, but you know, these SDGs and values and things that are behind me, like every business can do this. And while we've been working on this for over 10 years, you know, a business can start today and make a difference tomorrow. And I tell them like, what's the one thing you can do? Like recycle in your office. I don't know. Like what's the easiest thing that you can do? (laughs) Change your light bulbs to energy efficient bulbs. (laughs) Well, that's the thing that's so exciting to me too. And I should mention just another thing we have in common is that I think we also certified the first time in 2014. So yeah, parallel lives. Yes. It's same number of years in business. Yes. Both not the original founders, both now the CEO and owners. Our domestic partners have the same first name. Also, you were mentioned to me before. So yes, there's something eerily similar (laughs) happening but the thing I was going to say is that yeah that somehow like when I also like that fascination where you're like oh what is this beautiful glorious thing part of that for me is is also exactly what you were saying which was this like oh right like I I did I did know about social entrepreneurship but it felt out of reach to me like I thought what I'm doing, yeah, I can do that through film. I can do that through photography, but like, oh, these people that are, you know, like I remember Tom's shoes, for instance, right? And I thought, oh, or like Warby Parker and they're doing this thing. And I thought, oh, I don't, I don't know. That's like, I'm not in business. Like, how do I do that? And one of the like really big clinchers for me was when I realized exactly what you were saying and what I'm now have become like totally evangelical about, which is you could have like, a janitorial service or an insurance company or, you know, something that people don't necessarily associate with like making like a super, I mean, janitorial, we understand actually makes the most positive impact on the world, but let's say something (laughs) else like a, you know, um, beauty care product place or whatever. And it's actually, you can make a huge impact in the world just by doing what you're saying, like picking one thing. And for instance, like for me, the real passion is building organizations where people can be the actual humans that they are, like the full dignified human beings that they are, just because so many people work their entire lives in jobs where they are like treated as diminished, you know, not dignified human beings and how like sad and heartbreaking that is that there's so many millions of people in the world that have that experience and it doesn't have to be that way, right? Like if you, you could make a company where people are respected, even if, even if their, their job is, you know, small or their job is unskilled or whatever, they're whole human beings worthy of respect and dignity or being treated with dignity. And we can do that as business owners and how amazingly powerful that is. It is. So it's like, it doesn't matter. Like you could be building widgets for, you know, garlic presses doesn't matter. You could, that could make a massive impact in the lives of the people that you work with. If they are, if they can feel whole and engaged and respected in their work. Right. And absolutely. You and I share that as well. Right. Like that is so inspiring. And it's like, I learn something new every day. It's almost like, you know, Alice in Wonderland going down the rabbit hole and I'm just discovering new things all the time. Like, um, you know, 
B-Lab likes to say, like, you can't improve what you don't measure. And they're really good about helping us identify the things that we can measure. And I think that every time I measure something new, I recognize Mm. like, oh, I need to do something about that. And that was actually one of the impetuses for starting this podcast for women-owned agencies is one, I recognized there's not enough platforms that really highlight women in tech. That was the first thing, you know, like uh, when I, you know, there was a a featured article somewhere and I was like, why are there so few women listed? (laughs) And it was a tech article, you know, (laughs) so that was one piece of it. But the other piece of it was, you know, really uh, we were auditing sort of our, our collaborators, our supply chain. And I realized I didn't know enough about some of our suppliers. Like Mm. I didn't know who owns the businesses, you know, like I knew about Dojo four, but I didn't actually know who the owners were. And I was like, how do I find that information? You know? And then it came down to, well, I need to connect with my suppliers and I need to understand them and I need to know their stories and I need to know who they are. Yeah. Yeah. And then it humanizes the whole thing too. Right. And I mean, I know that's why it's like, I think that any success that my business has had has been completely reliant on that kind of texture, like the quality of like, oh, we're humans connecting about a thing that happens to be software, right? But like, Mm -hmm. actually around that is just like, you're a person with like a background and a context and a problem that needs to be solved. And I'm a person with a background and a context and a possible solution. And let's like, see how that relationship, you know, grows into something. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about like the origin story of how you got to be where you are in Dojo 4, because, you know, there's, there's a lot of context there to that story and understanding it. Um, And again, I think it's very similar to my story, but when I think back, like you just said, our solution happens to be digital. It happens to be in the space of software and, and websites. But for me, there was a time when I thought, gosh, do I just need to get out of pixels and code and like into the field and hands in the mission? Like maybe I'm in the wrong space. Am I really making a difference? And there was a turning point there of like one of our applications, we had reached millions of people. And I thought, yes, that's what I need to be reminded of. Like, this has so much potential. What we do, what you do has so much potential. It's just a matter of identifying the right projects to work on, you know, and and making sure that those are aligned with our values and what we actually want to achieve in the world. So I would love to hear your origin story of kind of how you got to that point also. Yeah. And I love what you're saying because I think probably, I mean, I really resonate with what you're saying and I can sort of imagine that many people in our in our particular network and, you know, group of agencies or whatever, um, that do digital work have had that experience where we're like, really, like, are we just like creating more like technical junk in the world? Or is this like really something that I feel like I can like really sink into and get behind? And I think, I think it's both in a way I think, and I'll get to the origin story, but I think that there's this piece for me where when I've come to these kind of like crises, which of course, happen every few years or whatever. Um, Business ownership, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that just like, and then it happens again. And then I thought I got over it. Oh no, it happens again. And then I think there's something for me where I'm like, oh, anything that we do 
is not the end, it's just the means. And like that means can take all sorts of different forms. If I start thinking of it as like, this is the goal and I've reached it and this is the end, that's when I start getting kind of like crunchy about it, you know? But as long as I'm seeing it as like, oh, it's just another means, it's just another means. And maybe maybe this particular problem needs a different means, but my mind is open to that possibility. Then it start, it's it continues to feel generative and yeah, satisfying. Like, oh, this could help a lot of people. And as soon as I'm like, involved in something where I start thinking about like technology just for technology's sake, then it starts, it starts to like crumble a little bit, but anyway, so yeah, I don't have a background in software at all. And I don't know if this is the origin story you're looking for, but I can talk a little bit about where, how Dojo 4 came to be and a little bit of its evolution and where did I come into that? I um, and my background, as I was mentioning, was in, um, I actually studied to be a medical anthropologist. That is not the way it turned out. I very quickly ended up, I was also doing photography. I ended up living in New York. I think a lot of my stories are <laughs> like how I ended up doing something was that I was really broke and then like was like, didn't have enough money to do anything like young person. It was like, I'll just take this job. And then, it, you know, it goes in a certain direction. So I was living in New York and working as a very underpaid photographer. And um, a friend of mine offered me a job working on a documentary film. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll do that. So that was, and then I did that for years and years. And then I moved to Boulder to be closer to my aging parents. And it was 2008. So recession. Yeah, not a great time for the entertainment industry. And so I was having a hard time getting work in documentary film and productions, you know, weren't hiring as much as they had in the past and that kind of thing. But it was also at the same time, right around then is when tech stars started taking off, for instance, right? So there was a lot of movement specifically, I mean, in Boulder, it was really like, there was just like startups, technical startups popping up everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And so, you know, my story, which I've told you know, ad nauseum at this point, but I'll tell it very, very quickly was that um, my, some of my best friends, their neighbor was someone I knew and I had, I was sort of out of work and I was sad and didn't know what I was doing with my life. And I saw their neighbor come home who I was friendly with and he was coming home quite late. I was sitting on their porch having a glass of wine and bemoaning the state of my life. And I saw him come home and I said, oh, where are you coming home from so late? And he's like, oh, I'm coming from work. Things are crazy. And I said, yeah, what? that's too late to be coming home from work. You know, he said, no, it's going crazy. Like we just started this agency, this tech agency, and it's going crazy. And there's just so much going on. And I, you know, clearly I had had a glass of wine. So I said, well, you should hire me to run your company. So then he was like, great, start on Monday. And I had only run productions, you know, film productions before, not tech companies. So that was like really learning trial by fire. And I think the interesting piece of that right there was that I had, I had actually studied um, math and biology. So I would, and, and I'd done a lot of technical work in documentary film, but I really didn't understand anything about software. And I always thought of it as like a pretty, like, um, like dry, like cut and dry. And I didn't realize actually how creative software is, which is something that you and I know, right? Like it's, it's hugely, it's world, it's, you know, it's like world building, right? It's every project is building a world and that's, it's hugely creative. 
Um, so I learned that. And then I also learned how to run a small business and very, very quickly. So this was an agency that also came, Dojo4 was an agency that came up, uh, it came into being basically just by accident as well. So this is like a lot of happy little accidents. Um, it was a group of freelancers, all who, yeah, engineers and designers that said, we want to do, it was sort of before co-working spaces were really popular. Let's just rent a space together. And then very quickly, people were coming through the door and saying, can you guys build this thing? And it was, it was all guys. And so, and then they said, well, why don't we start an agency? But they didn't know how to run an agency. So, and I didn't know how to run an agency, but I learned. And then they asked me, do you, can you be an owner with us? We, we want you to do this with us. And I sort of went, okay, I guess so, you know, and that's, had I known what I was signing myself up for, <laughs> on a good day, I would say in a second, I would do it again, definitely, most days, I would say that, but um, very quickly, the thing that I realized is that, yeah, there was sort of the initial excitement of like, oh, wow, here we are building all these worlds, and there was like a lot of money, and a lot of excitement. It was so cool to just be able to build these things from scratch that then got used by hundreds of thousands of people, right? Like that's so cool. But very quickly I got to this place of like all this unbelievable, like these people are so smart and there's so much money and the stuff that's being built is completely useless, right? Like it's like the only thing it's good for is making money for investors. And I started to really like very quickly have this feeling of yeah, this is going to start feeling meaningless very, very quickly to just be building software just for the sake of building software in order for investors to make more money off of the users that use the software. And so I started um, trying to figure out how to work with clients that were doing more meaningful work. And I very quickly found out about B Core, but this was maybe 2012. And it took a full two or three years in order to really help the people in my, my cohort, my colleagues understand what, what is a B Corp and why should we become a B Corp? It really, and to kind of help. And I don't think that I fully knew either, right? Like it wasn't like I was from on high, like this is the thing. But I remember I, I wrote an article called Human Suffering is the Only Growth, growth Industry which is like, sounds horrible, right? But I was trying to turn, because like my colleagues were saying like, oh, this bubble is going to burst, this bubble is going to burst. And I said, yeah, the bubble's going to burst. But the one thing, the sad, heartbreaking truth is the, the industry that's never, ever going to, that bubble that's never going to burst is the one that's solving real problems for real humans that are actually suffering in the world, right? People are always going to need help. So if we can direct our mind, our energy, our genius to that, that's never going to go away, right? And not only are, is our business going to be better for it, but we're also going to feel better and we're not going to get tired of doing what we're doing because we're going to know that we're actually helping people. So then that started, people started to kind of shift. Then we had some kind of crisis in the business, um, just like a perfect storm of stuff. And there was sort of like, we need to rethink this whole business. And that's when it was like, it kind of perfectly shifted and people were like, okay, we're ready to like get this certification and have the cohesive will to make that happen. And, and then that was the tipping point. And I think at one point, yeah, I can't remember exactly when I started 
leading the company, but it was sort of, it moved in that direction for a while because I think, yeah, people, people start feeling like their work is meaningless after a while, unless they have something they can work on that's actually truly making a difference in people's lives. And I think energetically people started looking for that in the company. They're like, you know, whether or not I can articulate it, like I, I need some leadership to keep doing this, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. In fact, I was on the phone with one of our clients earlier this week and they were sharing a story about like the real impact of the technology. And I was like, oh, I need to share that with the team. Like we do something that's called like the state of the lab. Um, and, you know, it gets them out of the, I just pushed X number of releases or I just, you know, worked yeah. on these many designs and these many, this many assets and pushed this many lines of code and had, you know, like it gets them out of that day-to-day, like just bits and bites and things and yeah, like exactly. shows them like what is happening in the world beyond what they're building, you know? Um, exactly. Right. Like it becomes like less this kind of like granular, like I'm trying to figure out how to make this login work for like multiple, you know, whatever's that. And it's like, oh no, right. Like I can raise my gaze and be like, oh, right. Like this is what's happening in the world. Well, one of the things I wanted to ask is, you know, what's your specialty now? You talk a little bit about this shift in the organization um, and kind of that move towards mission aligned work. Um, What are the things that y'all specialize in now? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's an interesting question. Like, what do we specialize in is, you know, from a technical standpoint, I think the thing that we specialize in and have always specialized in is solving hard technical problems. So we started as a rail shop and I think we're still, people still come to us for that, for solving like really gnarly issues that need to be looked at from a technical standpoint and just need like people with a lot, like everyone, I, all my colleagues have been writing code for 20 plus years. There are no, it's all senior engineers. And so people come to us when they're like, we need help figuring out this kind of difficult to solve problem basically. So that's still our, our specialty. You know, we really, as I was saying, we really focus on problems that are meaningful to us in terms of like helping actual humans live more satisfying and dignified lives. But one of the things that we realized really early on in that process of turning our, our energy towards clients that we felt mission aligned with is that just because someone's mission says like, okay, so let's say we're working on, you know, getting clean drinking water to people in sub-Saharan Africa, something like that, right? Like super important, but we realized that might still not be a good fit for us because either the stack they need is something that we're not actually experts in or or we find it really boring and like it's just as important to us for our work to feel kind of interesting and compelling to us from a technical point of view that we're like learning and able to like offer solutions that we feel really excited about um, from a technical standpoint or their mission might be incredible but like they might be like super dysfunctional. I mean, we know all organizations are dysfunctional, but some are more dysfunctional than others. And, you know, and we might be like, oh, it's just not a good fit that way. Like we, our style is really different than your style and it's not a good fit. So we did all this work to like, you know, put ourselves out, like this is what we specialize in. And then in the end of the day, we realized 
in the end, it really has to be like, we have to find a good personal fit with each of our clients. And it's really hard to tell on paper if that's going to, if that fit's going to be there. Like we really have to have a conversation. So um, we've particularly aligned ourselves with what we say is like social and environmental justice issues. But for instance, like one of the projects that we're really excited about right now is um, working with an organization that provides holistic care for elderly people and it is is taking clients who are Medicaid recipients and the technology is trying to give them whole person care instead of um, you know just like service-based you know like you you just need this thing this thing and this thing is like what's the whole picture and how to integrate their families into that care so that's not something that I would probably ever come up with on my own. Like we're really interested in this specific thing. But for us, when we heard about this, we happen to be really good at the technology that they need in order to build this application that's gonna provide this kind of communication and care structure for them. But also when we heard about it, we thought, I mean, for me, that's personally compelling because I care for an elderly person who, like really needs that kind of support and I need that kind of support, right? And that person also, it's like their insurance situation isn't great and all this kind of stuff. So I was like personally compelled and then just, yeah, hearing their stories and all that, I thought, oh yeah, that's that's exactly the kind of thing. So we vote on things. One of the things that we do as a co-op is each member, they don't have to make day-to-day -day decisions, but we vote on which clients and projects to take. And it's really, a lot of it has to really has to do with personal inclination. So right now we have a lot of energy around gender non-conformity in our, in our um, cohort of members. And so there's a lot of energy there, but I don't know if we would necessarily put that out in our marketing because we could have someone come to us with something that's really powerful around you know, gender, social issues, and yet it could still not be a good fit for the reasons I was saying, if that makes sense. That makes complete sense. And I think that's a challenge that we've also had in that, like, from a marketing perspective and everything that they teach you in business courses and the business model canvas. And one of the first exercises, and if you go through tech stars is like, who is your audience? <laughs> know your right. audience, right. you know, and exactly. target your messaging and know who you're selling to and know what you're selling. And I, that's something that I've constantly struggled with. Um, and it's mm. not, I mean, mm. they, they would say, you know, narrowing down to nonprofits and social enterprises is not narrow enough. Narrowing down just to nonprofits isn't narrow enough, you know, like choose a sector, choose a, choose yeah. a field. And I'm like, but they're all connected. And sometimes right. I just really need to help in a particular area. Um, so we did a project yeah. two years yeah. ago in workforce development. We've only done like one or two specifically in workforce development. And this particular project, they really didn't even have the funding to work with us. But I was mm -hmm. like, but I just have to, like, I can't, I can't say no to this one. And so, you know, that's kind of CEO owner prerogative sometimes too. Like, and also, I, I mean, but I actually want to really, take this on. Right. Like this is, we're just compelled for various, like either known or unknown reasons, but it's really, um, yeah, it's very, I don't know if it's vindicating. There's, it's some, it's gratifying to hear you say that Cheryl about like that kind of 
that you've struggled with this thing of like, know your audience and it should be super, super narrow because I, I've often thought to myself like, oh man, I really suck at business because I am like not able to do that. And I'm not able to guide this company to that kind of like level of specificity. And I always think, oh yeah, that's like, we're just like, we always cast a wide net and that's terrible or we just take what comes to us from word of mouth and so it's just like really kind of haphazard but at the end of the day I realized like it's I I can't because a lot of times it's like I could say sure nonprofits or social but then I've you know it's like or yeah social ventures but then the thing is also I've gotten some feedback and I've had the same feeling which is like okay but if we only work with social ventures then we're not actually providing the support for companies that don't even know that they're social ventures yet to right. become social ventures, right? Just like we were exactly. talking about at the beginning of this conversation is like, right? Like we have this other client that we really like working with because the technology is really fun to us. It's hard, like they would not call themselves a social venture. It would be a push to call them a social venture, but we have all these really powerful ideas about what they can do to their business model to make like an incredible impact in aerospace, which we know is like massively polluting, right? And so it's really exciting to us to be able to say to them like, hey, listen, okay, so now we've gotten you to this place. So now let's take this extra leap to get you there. And they're super excited about it as well. If we were like, oh, we only work with nonprofits, that would have never been available to us, right? So- doesn't allow you to open the door for that conversation. You know, I feel exactly. like we are as kind of social enterprises ourselves, um, as a, a mission driven business, we have the ability to kind of guide and advocate for those things with any business. And right. it allows us to be that, that strategist and guide on the better uses for, of technology. Cause there's so many negative uses of technology out there, exactly. you know? Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. Well, so yeah. So anyway, like, yeah, I find it really helpful to hear you say that too, because I think am I just kind of making that up or because we're bad at it, but like at the end I have tried to narrow it down and it like, it never but there's a story right. with every single project. There's, right. there's a reason we right. take each one on. And um, the one that I was just talking about, actually, this was pre COVID when we built it and then COVID hit and all of a sudden I don't want to say that they were sitting pretty because COVID was awful for everybody, but they right. had what they needed to continue operations. And now they're able to scale and expand their business into other things. I remember reading this, Cheryl. Now I'm remembering and I was like, wow, that was amazing timing and how cool, right? And like, you don't think like, is a cause for Cause Lab's workplace development. On paper, does that really fit into the thing? hard to say, but like, whoa, did that ever make like a massive difference in so many people's lives probably, right? It did. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, that's the story that it's like, that's what gets us away from the pixels. That's what gets us away from the code, you know, yeah. because it's like, wow, that's, yeah. that's what I want to be able to say about all of our projects. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that it, make, it makes a difference. So well, we were talking about collaboration and that's the whole reason that I am hosting this podcast. I would love to know if, you know, there are other um, agencies out there that, you know, woman-owned agencies, particularly that you enjoy collaborating with, or that like you're hoping to collaborate with. Yeah. Um, we'd just love to learn a little bit more about those. And if there's any that, you know, particularly that I should interview, I yeah. would love to hear about those too. 
So the first person you know, Maya, obviously Maya Holiday. Um, yes. Next, and what about Jessica Kellner? Do you know Jessica from Bark Media? I don't think I know Jessica. I know Bark Media, but I don't think I know yeah. Jessica. So it's not, she is not the only owner. Um, it's also her husband, James Duff. And then she has another female co-owner, I think. I don't know, but Jessica is um, one of the owners of Bark Media. They're in Lawrence, Kansas. They awesome. do marketing and some, you know, so more kind of like marketing level web development kind of stuff. I know them through the B Corps community, but then also, and became friends with Jessica through the B Corps community, but then have also worked with them recently on a few things. And they're amazing. Jessica is incredible. She does really good, like thorough work in marketing. Like it's not kind of like flashy marketing. It's like, what's the like deep work that you have to do in marketing? And they're amazing. So um, Jessica is definitely one of those people. And then another person, not a B Corps so far, I don't think, although I like to call them, B, you know, these, this category, like B Corps curious, maybe it's like, right <laughs> term, is um, Rhiannon Hendrickson, and she uh, is the owner and CEO of Oropin Marketing. I know Rhiannon. Yes. Yeah. You know her? She's in Denver. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've worked with her agency in the past as well. And just wonderful. And then someone who I have not worked with, but would love to work with is Alyssa Herr, H-E-R-R. And do you, does that ring a bell for you at all? I know Alyssa, but I haven't like personally met her um, or She's communicated or worked with her. Really fun to talk to, super smart, at the very least a great conversationalist, but I think she runs like a super cool agency. I think it's called Unity Web Agency. And yeah, I've always like had an agency crush on her and would love to work with her at some point too. That is awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, it's good for all of us to know Cheryl. Interview yourself. (laughs) I feel like I've told my story so many times, but I feel like everybody knows it now. (laughs) No, Um, I think it would be really cool. I, I actually honestly mean that. Like, I think, you know, sure you've told the story, but I think it's, you know, for people that are interested, I think for, you know, you could have someone maybe at your agency interview you or have one of your, you know, have someone like me interview you or whatever. I think it'd be really cool to hear. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'll think about that. (laughs) Consider. (laughs) So, well, thank you so much for joining me today. This was so wonderful and such a great conversation. And I think there are a lot of things that you said that other agency owners can gain some value from. Um, But I'm also hoping that, you know, people who are wanting to work with our agencies learn a little bit about us and um, what makes us special because there is something special there. And I think that it's important to highlight. Yeah. I just, I wanted to echo what you were saying in the the beginning of our conversation of, you know, what people may have called competitors as collaborators. And I've always thought that way. I wrote this little, this little illustrated guide. And one of the things that I wrote one of the main things that I wanted to get across to other, you know, sort of newer startups was that you really think of the competition as like friends and that 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 has been maybe the single most supportive thing that's really helped us as a business. Like it's been hugely enriching and I really see this podcast that you're doing as it like actual practical, practical expression of exactly that. So I really appreciate it. 
Thank you. Yeah, and I hope it is a, it's a springboard, hopefully, for more of that, especially amongst women-owned agencies. We don't all do the same thing. No. Um, and, you know, we have different specialties. And even for those of us that do very similar things, again, sometimes it's just not the right fit. Um, and so I just I really appreciate this. And honestly, we, we can't grow alone. We grow yeah, exactly. so much faster when we're doing it together. And if we keep that abundance mindset um, and not that scarcity mindset of like competing against each other, I think we're all stronger for it. And not just we as the agency owners, but we as the greater community yes. and ecosystem and you know our clients and partners involved in that as well. So um, I think we'll be better stewards of the dollars that are invested in technology if yeah. we can collaborate. Yeah, and I think like you doing this and like the way I'm talking about it, it also like models that for other people starting, you know, like newer businesses, it models it for clients so that they can really think about like, what do, what's the kind of impact? Oh, the impact I'm making is bigger than just me and the success of my particular company. It does that for like the whole community, so. Well, thank you so much. Have a great day. And this was you so wonderful. You too. It's so nice to see you. And yeah, I look forward to hearing more about what's going on in our, our parallel lives.